Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Jess is out in San Francisco, power preaching out there. And boy, Sodom and Gomorrah, he, they need, he needs Jess, they need Jess Romero preaching the salvation message. We're going to have a special show because today we're going to be interviewing the executive director of the Padre Pio Center. It's the National Center out in Pennsylvania. And it's going to be interesting because we've got some beautiful testimonies of who Padre Pio was and how he's still affecting people in a positive way. So stay tuned for that. That'll start in the second, third, fourth segment. Also, just good news story. I, I love it when people in politics stand up for the unborn. Because you know darn well they're going to be beaten up by the liberals when they speak up for the unborn. Mike Pence angers abortion supporters with strong pro-life statements. What are those strong statements? The VP, the former vice president, said a ban on abortion in all 50 states is profoundly more important than any short-term politics. So what do all of these pro-abortion you know, people say? Oh, Mike Pence, he's terrible. He's restricting women. It's the right to kill their babies. They don't say it that way. And he's just taking a lot of heat for being so bold and saying he stands up for the unborn. But I guarantee you, at his exit interview, that'll come up. Did you stand up for the least of my brothers, like the unborn? Yes, Mike Pence did, and I thank him for that. Also, I just wanted you to check out LifeSite News. Some of us who are baseball fans, there's an 11-year-old boy who is so beautiful. He actually uh, has been able to play baseball with one arm, and he's an all-star player. He hits home runs with one arm, and I'll never forget as a child listening you know, reading baseball books about the one-arm baseball player in the major leagues. Yeah, there was one. And so God love him. He's focused. He's, he loves the game. And he didn't let any kind of disability get in the way of playing baseball. So I really want to say kudos to him. Also, uh, Jess will be back on Monday. Um, we uh, have a special guest coming in the second, third, and fourth segment to talk about Padre Pio. But before we do that, let's get some soul food in us. Today's soul food day, and this is a, a, another feast day of Saints Cornelius, Pope, and Cyprian, Bishop and Martyr. Both of them, interesting, were martyred uh, for being, you know, defenders of the faith. And um, that happened so, uh, you know, for the first 300 years of the church, all the popes were martyred. So if you were going to be elected pope those first 300 years, you knew that you're going to be called to die for the faith, unlike today. All right, the gospel according to Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. A certain Pharisee invited Jesus to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Now, there was a sinful woman in the city who learned that he was at table in the house of the Pharisees, bringing an alabaster flask of ointment she stood behind him at his feet weeping and began to bathe his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with her ointment. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman this is who touched him, hmm, that she is a sinner. 
Jesus said to him in reply, Simon, here comes the rebuke, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people were in debt to a certain creditor. One owed 500 days wages and the other owed 50. Since they were unable to repay the debt, he forgave it for both. Which of them will love him more? Simon said in reply, The one, I suppose, whose larger debt was forgiven. He said to him, You have judged rightly. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? When I entered your house, you did not give me a water for my feet, but she has bathed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but she has not ceased kissing my feet since the time I entered. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with, anoint, with ointment. So I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. The others at the table said to themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? But he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's such a powerful gospel that you have to think about and you go, wow. You know, uh, my commentary on it is right from the Navarre Bible. It says, our Lord, here's what, here's what she said, our Lord has spoken about his sacrifice. Oop, sorry, one more. said, the woman moved no doubt by grace was attracted by Christ's preaching and by what people were saying about him. In other words, she, she heard he was in town, and she, went, and she was bold. She went to go see him. When dining with people, reclining on a low divian, leaning on their left arm with their leg tucked under them, always from the table, and this is what was traditional, a host was expected to give his guests a kiss and greeting and offer him water, for his feet and perfume. I still get that from the Middle East. They want to kiss you when you me see you. In this short parable of the two debtors, check this out. Christ's teachings teaches us three things. His own divinity, because he could forgive sin. His power for forgiveness of sin. The merit the woman's love deserves. Remember, that's important. And the discourtesy implied in Simon's neglecting to receive Jesus in the conventional way. Our Lord was not interested in these social niceties as such, but the infection with which they expressed. That was why he felt hurt at Simon's neglect. So Jesus notices the omission of the expression of human courtesy and refinement from the Pharisees failed to show him he is perfect God, remember this, the second person of the Trinity and perfect man. 
He comes to save, not to destroy nature. It is from him that we learn that it is unchristian to treat our fellow man badly, for they are creatures of God, made in his image and likeness. This is right from Genesis chapter 1. Remember, the Pharisees were wrong to think badly of this sinner. And Jesus, reckoning that Christ did not know anything about her, he complained inwardly. Our Lord, who could read the secret thoughts of men, which showed his divinity, he knew what they were thinking, intervened to the point out to him his mistake. True righteousness, says St. Gregory the Great, is compassionate, whereas false righteousness is indignant. Wow. There are many people like the Pharisees forgetting that they themselves were or they are poor sinners, me included. When they see other people's sins, they immediately become indignant instead of taking pity on them. Or else they rush to judge them or sneer at them. They forget that St. Paul says, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Corinthians chapter 10. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you will, our spiritual, should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians chapter 6. This is a good commentary for us to keep in touch with because the scriptures that we read every day we should open up a great commentary whether it's Dr. Scott Hahn or others because it helps us understand the Bible and that's why we read the Bible every single day let's bring the smartest guy into the room all right full sheen ahead here's what Bishop Sheen says about truth truth must be sought at all costs but separately isolated truths will not do Truth is like life. It has to be taken on its entirely or not at all. We must welcome truth even if it reproaches and inconveniences us, even if it appears in the place where we thought it could not be found. This is one of the things I am always impressed with my Protestant brothers who I'm chatting with constantly about. Are you willing to go where the truth takes you? So many of them have left to become Catholic because they realize Catholic Church is the church that Jesus Christ founded. And when you look at the early church teachings, you see that they're Catholic, not Protestant. So Bishop Sheen points out, and so does Bishop Strickland, about the truth. What's the truth here? That's exactly what's so important. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Nick Gaboni, Executive Director of the National Center of the Padre Pio Center, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about the life of Padre Pio and why he's touched so many people and why he's still touching people like me and others. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Jess is up in San Francisco, power preaching up there. Nick Gobini, I want to welcome you as the executive director of the National Center for Padre Peel. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate it. I'm a, I'm a long time. So th this was great uh, when I found out I, I was asked to step in. And uh, so I'm a longtime student of St. Joseph Communications and Lighthouse Catholic Media and the Rocky Marciano School of Apologetics. So this is like, this is fantastic for me. Well, Nick, God love you. And we all have a great love for Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio. I had the opportunity to be at his canonization with my four children, which was a, a great grace. But why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us uh, uh, you know, about the nature of the National Center for Padre Pio, please. Sure. Uh, so Nick Jaboni, I've been blessed, uh, privileged to be the executive director here at the National Center for Padre Pio. We're located in Bartow, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're about one hour northwest of the city of Philadelphia. And uh, the center was founded essentially in 1970 after a great grace was received uh, in a very, a very small nutshell. So our foundress, uh, Vera M. Calandra, took uh, mom Vera in this story, took baby Vera, Vera Calandra, when she was two and a half to see Padre Pio after she had had her bladder removed wow. by uh, then head of urology at Children's Hospital. If you remember Ronald Reagan's Surgeon General C. Everett Koop. Yes. At the, at the time in 1968, he was head of urology at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Uh, poor little baby Vera was born with severe defects of her urinary system and eventually Dr. Koop removed her bladder completely and sent her home to die. And uh, mom Vera would have none of this. Uh, someone had given her a book on Padre Pio who was not well, very well known in the United States at this point. And she was praying in her living room to Padre Pio. She had an interlocution, as she calls it, a voice that said to her, uh, come quickly, do not delay. Uh, she went over, she took, she took baby Vera. She met Padre Pio three weeks before he died. He prayed over the baby. And when she returned to the United States, Dr. Koop said, well, she's still alive, bring her in. They did scans and she had what he referred to as a rudimentary bladder growing where the one that he had removed. And uh, he would go on to write about this in medical journals. And I'm happy to say that baby Vera works with me every day. She's 56 years young and is in good health. Well, I'm, I'm laughing at that because my mom's name is Vera. And the uh, word Vera, the name means truth. Probably never knew that. I mean, I, uh, I didn't know until my mom told me about that's what they named her as Vera for truth. And that that's uh, a great story of a, another one of Padre Peel's intercessions. Fantastic. And so obviously the, your fam the family had a great devotion to Padre Pio. Did they get a chance to be at the, um, the canonization of Padre Pio? Well, you know what's amazing oh. is they were busy here during the canonization because we're, we're a 106-acre campus. We have uh, two large facilities. We receive visitors from all over the, mm -hmm. the world. Um, so, however, unfortunately, um, Mom Vera was too ill with uh, cancer. She was terminal at that point mm. to be at the canonization. However, she was so instrumental in bringing about the cause of Padre Pio's uh, beatification yeah. that she did the first reading at St. Peter's. We, we have pictures of her doing the reading. Wow. Uh, Pope John Paul II, yeah, asked her to do the reading there for the beatification mass. So she was very instrumental in the cause. Wow, that's fantastic. Nick, a lot of people, we talk about St. Padre Pio a lot here on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful, but give us some of the things that Padre Pio is best known for. Uh, absolutely. Um, so everyone, uh, most people are familiar with Padre Pio having the stigmata, and in his case, he meaning meaning marked comes from the Gospel of Mark, actually. Um, I'm sorry, it comes from the writings of uh, St. Paul, uh, mm -hmm. T talking about this this being marked, so stigmatic. He had the wounds of Christ, 
in his hands, in his feet, in his side. He even had a shoulder wound, which we learned about uh, after his death. People could see the, uh, often when he was saying mass, they could see the uh, marks from the crown of thorns that were on his head. He had bleeding and marks from the scourging that Christ suffered from. Um, you know, people, ha people have uh, photos of t-shirts and things that, that, that he wore that showed evidence of that. So he's most known for the stigmata. Uh, also, a lot of people know that he bilocated. Uh, he was able to be in more than one place at a time. Uh, he continues to visit people uh, today, even from heaven. But while he was alive, um, he his most famous bilocation actually was he bilocated to the canonization of the little flower, St. Therese of Lisieux, <laughs> to whom he had had great devotion. And uh, church numerous church prelates saw him there, went to talk to him afterwards. And of course, he wasn't there. He was in his friary in San Giovanni Rosato. <laughs> uh, he had the gift of reading hearts. Yeah. Um, often people will talk about when they would go to confession with him, if they forgot something or left something out, he would gently or sometimes not so gently, if they did it on purpose and were trying to trick him, remind him, uh, remind them of what the sins was. He had the gift of aromas. Holy aromas would emanate from, you would think that his weeping wounds would have um, a foul smell to them, but actually they smell beautifully, uh, a heavenly smell. Um, and also people, when they have prayers answered by Padre Pio, um, they, they will often have, um, s similar to as Vera, Vera Calandra had, when she prayed for the healing of her daughter, the whole room smelled with a, a smell of flowers. So sometimes a smell of, um, some people describe it as a bouquet, like a heavenly bouquet, roses, um, also tobacco, which is interesting, like smell of fresh tobacco associated with him. And he had the gift of languages. So you could go, even though Padre Pio was not very well educated, only spoke his local Italian dialect, you went to go to confession with Padre Pio, confess in your own language other than Italian. Uh, he would respond in Italian, but people could understand them in their own language. And he said that this was all done through uh, the angels would help him with this. <laughs> of course, communicators. <laughs> of course it would be. Hey, Nick, I got to share a story that fits right in what you're saying. When I was at the canonization of Padre Pio back in June of 2002, I was over at San Giovanni Rotunda making a little visit there. It was right after the canonization, and people were all over the place. And I only speak English, but I, I heard people speaking other foreign languages. I was in the park with my four kids while my wife was running to get more lira because we ran out of money. She was in line at the bank. So I'll, I'll watch the kids. And while I'm watching the kids, I hear some gentleman speaking English with a British accent. So being a bashful guy that I am, which I'm not, I said, excuse me, where are you from? He says, England. So I said, well, what brought you to the, you know, canonization? What brought you to uh, San Giovanni Rotunda? He says, you really want to know? I said, yeah, I'm here. I got my kids. I'm playing ball. Come on, take your time. I'm going to be here for an hour. He says, well, back in the 1980s, early 80s, I had an experience with Padre Pio. Remember, folks, Padre Pio died in 68. So this is after he's dead. He says, I was on a train, which I went to work with, for years, for decades, and this particular thing happened in 1982 where there was a Franciscan monk on the train, and he was bold. He went up to me and said, you need to go to confession. And I looked at this monk, and I said, what? what are you telling me? I'm not going to confession. And the monk said, well, you have free will to say yes to God or to say no, but you should be going to confession. So that's all he said. Well, he goes, well, not today, Padre, thanks. Gets off the train, goes home like he always does, puts on the TV, 
and he's watching uh, public television, 50 Years of Thorns. It's the movie on Padre Pio's life. And he looks at that and he goes, oh my gosh, that's the guy that I met on the train just a few hours ago. He right. died in 68. He bilocated to try and ask, he would ask sinners to go to confession like me. He's telling me this story. It happened to him. And wow. I said, you got to be kidding me, dude. He tells me, yeah, so what I did is uh, I came home. Uh, when I was watching it, I didn't go to work the next morning. My wife says, what's wrong? I couldn't tell her. My wife says, come on, what's going on? You always go to work. Well, here's what happened. This guy wanted me to go to confession. He was a monk, and I find out it's Padre Peel. He, he died in 68. This is 1982. I mean, what am I going to do? And the wife says, take his advice. Go to confession. <laughs> so they go to the church. He goes to confession, and he says, I made a promise to start Padre Peel prayer groups up and down England, and that's what I've been doing for the last you know, 25 years. And I, I just was so moved by that. And it made it real to me that I met a man who Padre Pio appeared to and had such love for that man's soul that he and challenged him to go to confession. And now that man is an on fire Catholic. So yeah, Padre Pio, you could say is still working today. That's for sure. Nick, here's another question I have. Uh, you said earlier, wait, wait, yeah, actually you said this, Padre Pio was known for his love for the rosary. I remember him saying, you know, in times when you're not doing anything, just pull your rosary out and start praying your rosary. He did that. And he called the rosary his greatest weapon. Can you tell us a little bit about Padre Pio's devotion to the rosary and more specifically to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Sure. Padre Pio, from a very young age, um, had a relationship with the Blessed Mother, with our Lord, and with uh, his guardian angel. There's actually a story that uh, his mother, I believe he was about seven years old, and he was recounting a story to his mother about his conversations that day with the three of them. Mm -hmm. And she stopped him. And to his surprise, he learned that not everybody had conversations every day with <laughs> our Lord, our lady, <laughs> and, and his guardian angel. Sure. But he, so he had a he referred to the Blessed Mother as his mamita, as his little mother, I love uh, always had great devotion to her. Prayed the rosary constantly. Yeah. Um, there's actually a story. So the foundress of our center, Vera Calandra, had a very close relationship with Father Alessio Parente, who took care of Padre Pio for the last seven years of his life. And and uh, so we we have a great. Uh, we're we're just blessed to have a lot of these firsthand stories yeah. from Father Alessio. Took care of him. And one of the stories he told us was that. Um, one time he asked Padre Pio, he said, Padre Pio, you seem to pray the rosary all the time. How many rosaries have you prayed today? And he said, well, I'll tell you, I've prayed over 80 rosaries today. What? And he said, he said to him, how is that possible? You've been in ministry all day long. You've been in the confessional, you know, you've said mass. He said, it is not possible for you because you live in time. Whereas Padre Pio lived both here and in eternity simultaneously. He was present wow. in, in, in both places. But anyway, that just kind of goes to emphasize how important his relationship with, uh, with, with the rosary, with, with the Blessed Mother was. He had an especially uh, great devotion to her, um, to Our Lady of Fatima. As you may have heard, he was healed by Our Lady of Fatima in 1959. Yes. Um, he had a great he, he kind of always had a pleurisy-like lung condition, and Padre Pio suffered so much his whole life, there were numerous times when they thought he was going to die. But in 1959, it was an especially bad time. He had been in bed for several months um, up in the friary, and the 
uh, statue from Our Lady of Fatima was flown to Italy. It was flown around to different cities, and they made a stop in San Giovanni Rotondo with the statue uh, specifically for Padre Pio. He insisted, uh, they thought he was at death's door, but he insisted that he be wheeled down so that he could venerate the statue in the Friary Chapel, which he did. And he tells the story that afterwards when he went back up and the statue was being transported by helicopter around Italy. And when he saw the helicopter leaving San Giovanni Rotondo, he said he he cried out, you know, Mamina, Mamina, little mother, little mother, you have come to Italy, you have come to San Giovanni, but you have not healed your Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. And the people saw the helicopter come back. It flew three times around the, the Friary Chapel and it was taking off. And he said he was instantly healed. What in a- fact, he went down and he got in the confessional. What a great story. Nick Gabino's here, the executive director of the Padre Pio Center. We're talking to him about the life of St. Padre Pio. More when we come back. Stay with us, family. This is going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back indeed. We're talking with Nick Gobini, Executive Director of the Padre Pio Center, talking about our great love we have for St. Padre Pio and some of the things he's done and he's doing today. Nick, earlier in the conversation, you talked about Vera's daughter being healed by Padre Pio. Just out of curiosity, was that one of the miracles that was counted towards St. Padre Pio's sainthood? So that is a great question, which we get all the time. So I'm really glad that you asked. Um, And so it certainly could have been considered, except that Padre Pio was alive at the time. Ah. So so as as we know, um, in order for the the evidence, so to speak, of a saint's, you know, being in heaven is that their intercession would have happened after their after they died. So, uh, no, Vera's was not considered. Got it. Well, it sounds to me like with that logic, which is that's what the church teaches that one woman that had no pupils that was healed for her vision was at the time Padre Pio's alive, so obviously that didn't work. Well, tell us which miracles did in fact lead to the beatification and then the canonization of St. Padre Pio. Sure. So the first one related to the beatification, uh, that was a woman named Concilio di Martino. Uh, she was an Italian woman that in, it was actually All Saints Day, she says, ah. uh, November 1st. Uh, 1995, wow. uh, she had uh, what they just described as a huge mass that was in her neck. She suddenly saw it. Uh, it appeared very rapidly, and a CAT scan revealed that it was a rupture of a lymphatic duct uh, on the left side of her neck. It had a discharge, about two liters of fluid. Uh, she was rushed to the hospital, and her daughter called uh, Brother Modestino, who was a brother who uh, would have lived with Padre Pio. And um, he assured her that mass and rosary at eight o'clock at Padre Pio's tomb was going to be offered for her. And uh, he di- he wasn't too worried, <laughs> believe it or not, because this this, this should have been a, uh, you know, a very life threatening condition. Yes. And um, she said that the she felt a very strong, lovely perfume uh, smell of flowers. Right. If that sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, she said she slept well that night. The following morning when she got up to do the surgery, she said this thing had been the size of a grapefruit, but it had, had vanished. 
And the physicians, uh, when they were asked about this, they could only say that when a duct was broken, which they know they saw on the CAT scan, mm -hmm. operation would definitely be necessary. However, all the further medical tests confirmed that there was a complete cure, it was no question. Uh, other doctors had um, confirmed this as well. There was a commission, as there always is, of doctors put together to do a scientific investigation by the Vatican. And so they said that um, six theologians confirmed the cure unanimously to be miraculous. So that was the one that led to the beatification. Mm -hmm. The one that led to the canonization was a young boy. He was seven years old. Name was uh, Matteo Pio Colella. He was actually had that middle name after Padre Pio. His parents had a devotion to Padre Pio. Uh, he was actually a local. A lot of people don't know that Padre Pio uh, founded a hospital. He called it his great work. Uh, in English, the translation is the home for the relief of the suffering. It's literally a stone's throw. You can walk out of Padre Pio's Friary Chapel and hit the hit the. Uh, big alabaster hospital that's there right there in san giovanni rotundo well on january 20th 2000 uh, little mateo was diagnosed with acute fulminant meningitis a really bad form of meningitis caused by bacteria uh, got into his kidneys his respiratory system uh, he had uh, blood clotting problems he was rushed to padre pio's hospital which is kind of incredible and his mother went right over to Padre Pio's tomb, which, like I said, was only a stone's throw away, yeah. to pray uh, for Padre Pio's intercession. Yeah. And the young man would recount many years later, uh, well, as well as when he was younger, but he has an interview since then. He said he saw Padre Pio in a dream, and I'm quoting him, um, when he was in this coma, I saw Padre Pio in a dream on my right and three angels on the left, one with golden wings and a white tunic, and two others with white wings and a red tunic. Padre Pio on my right told me not to worry because I would soon be cured. And in fact, he was. The doctors had considered him to be clinically dead, uh, but he had come back to life. What a great so, story. Amazing. He was right in Padre Pio's hospital. I know. Right, right there next. I've been there. I know how close you're saying it. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, Nick, your, this next question talks about Padre Pio and how he had a great love for the Mass. I'll just tell you a quick story of a priest friend of mine, Father John McKenna. He was a World War II uh, veteran, and during the war, he, he uh, actually served Mass for Padre Peel. And Padre Peel told him that uh, God is calling him to become a priest. This is Father John McKenna. Well, John McKenna at the time just left the New York, excuse me, Brooklyn Dodgers. He was a catcher in the uh, Dodgers system. And uh, he told Padre Peel, Padre, hey, wait a minute. No, I'm going back after this war to become a a catcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And uh, Padre Peel told him, hey, uh, no, God's calling you to be a, a priest, young man. And so uh, you just know that, that that's what God's calling you to do. Well, he went after the war back and he decided, well, I better test my call. So he ended up, you know, six years later becoming a Catholic priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles wow. and would start Padre Peel group prayer meetings all over the LA area, which that's how I met him. And he became a very close friend, and he would constantly talk and say, it's the Mass! It's the Mass! And so <laughs> it was so funny because he said, that's what Padre Peel told him. So my question to you, Nick, is, you know, the question really is, we've heard people say that, you know, Padre Peel saying everything is about the Mass. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about his love for Holy Mass? Sure. Um... That's a, that is a great story. I'm so I'm so glad I'm so glad to hear that uh, because that's what I always say. And I didn't, you know, 
that that's what I would say Padre Pio would say. So that that's fantastic. So Padre Pio, um, for a good part of his ministry, his assigned time to say mass in the Friary Chapel was 5 a.m. for daily mass. And the priests who would assist him would say that he would wake them up like in a and you know hysterically at 3 a.m. Like, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go. And they where are we gonna go? We gotta go down the steps, you know, and mass isn't for two hours. But it was so important to him to dutifully prepare for mass. Yeah. And um we would hear, you know, you talked about the American GIs in yes. World War II. Yes. So we get a lot of great stories, firsthand accounts of Padre Pio. Um and so people would who got to spend time with Padre Pio, priests, GIs, you know, they would come back and people would say, oh, we heard about this priest. What was it like to be with a living saint? What was it like to be with, a, a, you know, a, li a living crucifix, someone that could, you know, had all these stories associated in healings? And, and, and they would say, well, you know, that's not what impressed them the most. You know, they, they would say he was very he was very down to earth. And yes, he had the stigmata, but. They were so moved by the way he prayed the mass. And at, at part of his, you know, maybe the height of his health and things like that, Padre Pio could take up to two and a half hours to say uh, a daily mass that other priests were saying in 20 minutes. Wow. Um, and um, it was because he was present. He was present at, at Calvary and he was suffering uh, a lot of the, you know, the same ways that Christ was suffering on the cross. He's in two places at once in time and eternity. You know, he's a living crucifix suffering uh, during the during the parts of the mass, during the consecration. But to him, the mass was everything. And the people that came away from having been with Padre Pio, if they saw him say mass, they would say the same thing. That two and a half hours seemed like 20 minutes to them <laughs> because of the way that he was transformed during mass and, you know, took in a sense, took so many people with him in that in that experience. You know, they 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 felt they, they could sense that transformation that was happening. They could see that he was in ecstasy, you know, during the mass and that something very, very special and otherworldly uh, was going on. But that was really, you know, when people, you know, people say like in a nutshell, Padre Pio would say um, when people would throw themselves at him, Padre Pio, we love you. We love you. Say, no, you don't love Padre Pio because of Padre Pio. You love Padre Pio because I leave you to Jesus. Yeah. And Padre Pio's way of leading people to Jesus was through the sacraments and through the mass. And his whole ministry was mass and confession. That's really, <laughs> that's really what he did. That's what he wanted to, you know, spend all of his time doing. Awesome, Nick. You know, that brings me to the other sacrament. You just nailed it. Confession. I mean, we hear about uh, amazing stories of people going to confession and him healing them through Jesus Christ as they, uh, in Persona Christi and the confessional. Can you talk a little bit more about when did he start hearing confessions and how many hours a day did he actually hear confessions? Sure. So, um, again, because Padre Pio was sick at so many different points in his life, you know, it, it would vary in the amount of hours. But his routine was after mass, he would go up to the choir loft and he would give his Thanksgiving, you know, spend his time with Thanksgiving. Uh, and then he would get into the confessional. And depending on the, the time in his life, you know, minimum amount, four hours, but often upwards of 12, 14 hours a day he would spend in confessional. People that wanted to go to confession with him, um, you know, would often have to, there was a lottery system eventually that was put in. People would wait days. I've heard stories of people waiting up to two weeks to be able to have a con their confession heard by Padre Pio. Wow. It was so important to him. 
Amazing. And you know, I, 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 when we come back from the break, I want to ask you if you've, you can bring me a zinger because I think I've heard, I've read in some of my books on Padre Peel that he actually could read souls and people who would come into the confessional, whether they were going to make it up a sin or they're not going to confess. He seemed to have a, a gift of reading souls. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that. How can people contact you at the center, my friend? Sure. Thank you for asking. So uh, easiest way is through our website, which is just PadrePO.org, PadrePO.org. Uh, can also reach us Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Eastern Standard Time. We're at 610-845-3000, area code 610-845-3000. And we're always happy to connect with people. We love it when people give us prayer intentions, which we place on a glove worn by, worn by Padre Pio. And wow. we remember in all our prayers here at the center. Amazing. When we come back, I'm going to ask Nick to tell us a story about Padre Pio uh, in regards to the confessional and how he was able to bring hardened souls back to the church. And I also want to, later in this next segment, I'll preface it, I want to know about the latest movie that's coming out on Padre Pio and your take on that. And we're going to talk a little bit about when is that feast day coming up for Padre Pio. Much, much more. You don't want to miss it, folks, when we come back, especially Padre Pio in the confessional. What a what a magnificent confessor he must have been because so many souls would line up to go to confession, as Nick just elaborated, some of them waiting almost two weeks to get to confession. Wow, we need a, a Padre Pio in the church today because that sacrament needs to be used more and more. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus and his church. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Wow, Nick, this has been a great interview talking about a great saint, St. Padre Pio. I was mentioning, you know, the, you talked about how he was hearing so many confessions every day. And can you tell, because I've heard stories where sinners have come out and just uh, have said, wow, um, you know, Padre Pio read my, had, had, had a, had, was able to read my soul. Is that, I mean, that seems very unusual, but I've read in books that he actually did that. Do you have, we have documentation of that? Well, we do. We have a couple of stories. Uh, one person, you mentioned Gemma DiGiorgio, and I'll talk about her, grand, she had the healing of her eyes. I want to yeah. talk about her grandmother in yeah. a minute. Yeah. But another person who was well-known um, in San Giovanni Rotondo, his name was, name was Abraham Abehurst. I'm probably botching his name, but... Uh, he was from out of the area, and family wanted to go see Padre Pio, and he was kind of just along for the ride. Yeah. And uh, he was a fallaway Catholic, um, and he was convinced to go to confession with Padre Pio, and he did. Yeah. And uh, he he went and he said to Padre Pio, you know, I don't know how long it's been since my last confession. I'm not sure I've ever had a good confession. And Padre Pio said, well, just go back 20 years. You had a really good confession right after your wedding. Oh, my gosh. Um, but <laughs> but that's, that's about how long it's been. But, yeah, start there. So, I mean, the fact that he was able – it's not that Abraham was holding anything back. He just couldn't remember. Padre Pio was able to name it for him. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. And yeah. and he was well known. He became there. There were really two photographers that were uh, well known associated with Padre Pio. One was Elias Deludo. The other hand was the other one was Abraham Abehurst. And if you know a lot of the famous Padre Pios that you see around was yeah. probably taken by one of the two. They were both uh, they were both local. Uh, Abraham had a little photography tent that he set up outside of the chapel and was given permission to take pictures and everything. So that's a that's a pretty good source. Also, uh, Gemma De Giorgio, as you were talking about, had a very famous healing. She had no pupils. Um, and after Padre Pio healed her and she could see, yeah. she didn't have pupils. I mean, she, she was studying, but, but, but she could still see. You know, we know that she had she had very good vision and everything. But her grandmother, when they were on their way to visit Padre Pio, um, Gemma said that she could look out on the steamship and she was starting to have vision. And so, but her grandmother said, when you go to confession with Padre Pio, you have to tell him that you want a healing. And little Gemma felt so much pressure. She came out, she had forgotten and her grandmother scolded her. And she went into the confessional and gave her confession and started crying. And Padre Pio said, what's the matter with you? You know, <laughs> I don't know if he said it that harshly, but he said, you know, that Gemma started to see on the way here already. Wow. You know, you don't need to scold her. She's okay. Yeah. So just another example of him, you know, yeah. having foresight, awesome. knowing things that were going on. Yeah. Fantastic. Nick, St. Padre Pio's feast day is the 23rd of September. Coming up quick. Yes. And it's which, it's which is the day that he died. Can you take us through that last day and night of Padre Pio's life? Uh, so the, the last day of Padre Pio's life, he was not... Uh, he, of course, was not very well. He had not been well for a very long time um, when he was he, he actually had the opportunity, as you talked about these Padre Pio prayer groups that started. Yeah. He had started them himself yeah. um, and they were to that was in response to Pope Pius XII's request that um, uh, that prayer groups be started. So he started these prayer groups in support of the great hospital that he had to support their work and specifically to support the work of the Pope. The night before he died, there was a, there was a convocation and they gathered in San Giovanni Rotondo out the window. You know, he got to greet them. He got to hear their gathering, you know, so that was something that was very uh, important to him. I think that the most important thing to, to really know, you know, we have, well, a few things where, really fortunate to have vi video and audio of the last mass that he said um you know he, he was actually able to say mass even in, in the state that he was in um and i think that it's important to know that during those last hours of his suffering he was of course praying he was in a chair he had his rosary uh but i think what most stands out is the the last two words he ever said you know um jesu maria um, and he said he saw two mothers wow. before he died. He said, I, I see two mothers. We assume that to be his earthly mother, the Blessed Mother. Um, but then his last two words, uh, Jesu Maria. That's awesome. Wow, wow. So much good stuff about this. Now, there's a new movie coming out, Nick, on Padre Pio. And um, Sheila LaBeouf is uh, the movie actor who's playing Padre Pio. And he's had a massive conversion to the Catholic faith because of Padre Pio and the beauty of, of the Mass and the Eucharist. And so I think that's exciting. Um, I saw the trailers. I'm going to tell you I was disturbed by something in the trailers, but I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I You know where I stand. I just told you. Uh, I want to know, because uh, I've talked to people who knew Padre Pio well, 
Uh, they didn't seem to think that that would be something he would do, but I'm open to dialogue. So can you have you had a chance to see the trailers of the new movie? Um, I have seen the trailers. I have not seen the movie itself, and I've heard so, uh, a you know a good portion of the interviews uh, with Shia LaBeouf. In terms of the, in well, first of all, I think that we need to pray for him in in a big way because he's got a big microscope on him. You know, he's obviously had a powerful conversion. He had that really long interview with Bishop Barron. That's right. And so many people, I think, are putting a lot of pressure on him. I think the devil's going to have a big bullseye on his back. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. I think we need to really, you know, cover him in prayer and, 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 pray, and pray for that young man. Um, but in terms of the movie, I probably have seen the same trailers that, that you have seen. Sure. And from what I've read of reviews from, you know, critics who were able to get a sneak peek at it, it sounds like it's a lot more about the rise of fascism in Italy yeah. uh, that, than it is about Padre Pio. He almost seems to have a cameo in it. Yeah. Um, the other disturbing thing that I've heard is that, you know, someone is in the confessional with him right. and he, he uses our worst expletive and, and tells this person to, to get out of the confessional. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and first of all, no way, okay. That's my <laughs> no, no way would Padre Pio do that. Nope. We, and, and, and second, there's no English equivalent for the F word in Italian. That's correct. Right. So, so we know that, that 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 wouldn't have happened either. But we know from you know Padre Pio, it, it kind of gives you know if I may, it gives me an opportunity to clear up a misconception about Padre Pio. Please do. I mean, there's really two. One, we see from these pictures of Padre Pio, you know, people would say he seemed to be you know very dour, very stern, very well. You would too if you were the living crucifix. <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> The man was in pain. It wasn't just that he had the appearance of these. He was in yeah, pain all the time. So that's one thing. But the people who spent time with him, he was very down to earth. He was humorous. He did tell a, a, a lot of jokes and he was laughing and things like that. When he was stern, he wasn't constantly kicking people out of the confessional. We know that when people would go in who were just curiosity seekers who yeah. were trying to trick him, right. he would tell them to get out. Good. Uh, but they said that when the most hardened sinners would come to him, you know, even hardened in the sense of, I'm sorry, the, the greatest sin, but that they were sincerely had true contrition. He didn't yell at them. Awesome. You know, pe pe people were afraid that he would, but he didn't. He, he, he took them in, you know, and he showed them the mercy of our Lord. You know, he was very gentle with people, no matter how much sin, you know, how grave a sin that they had committed when they were sincere. Uh, I, and I also did hear that they took a lot of liberties, uh, artistic liberties with that movie. So I have no reason to believe that that person that they said was going into the confessional was based on a true yeah. person or true story. Yeah. Well, thank you for your clarification. That's what some of the, my other friends said, pretty much what you said. And I just wanted to let people know that because, um, you know, uh, they, most of us are going to end up watching that movie. Now you know what, you know, what to expect. I have to say, Nick, I want to give you an opportunity again to tell our listeners how they can contact the center and make a pilgrimage to your center. Sure. So we call ourselves the home of Padre Pio in the USA because we really are a home here. We're a 106-acre campus. We have a reproduction of Padre Pio's Friary Chapel in Italy. Wow. Uh, that, that, that's connected to a larger spirituality center. Um area where we have um where we can have large masses accommodate thousands of people there so Amazing. um 
but then also we have another building that's a world-class museum and I can brag about it because I didn't build it. I've only been here four and a half years, but it truly is. Um, it truly is world-class. We have reproductions of where Padre Pio grew up. We have the largest collection of artifacts and relics of Padre Pio in the United States. Wow. We have a reproduction of his cell here. I mean, we have just incredible uh, relics to come and see and venerate and awesome. to learn about Padre Pio. So at PadrePio.org, uh, you can learn all about how to get here. We're in a little town called Bartow that most people around in Philadelphia haven't heard of, but we're only an hour away from Philadelphia. Good. So I, I just had a priest visitor today that came up from Arkansas, came into town, heard about us, came came up to see us, couldn't believe how close we were to the city. So we really do. We get visitors from all over the place. We hope people will come and see us. Nick, you're a good man. I love your zeal for the faith, and I love that you're promoting the St. Padre Peel. He's such a great saint for our time. And I, I just want to say thank you for what you guys do out there to promote uh, our love for the Eucharist, Our Lady, and, and just promoting what St. Padre Peel has saying. He's like another Christ. In other words, he's teaching us, as St. Paul said, to imitate me as I imitate Jesus. So we need to take a look at the life of Padre Peel and see how it can apply to us as followers of Christ. And I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us, my friend. Terry, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad to be here. Please tell Jesse I said hello. I most certainly will. And, and God love you. This has been a great interview. And I hope, folks, you can take this interview, share it with your friends through the podcast, because this is how the word gets out because of you. And if you have a story about Padre Peel in your life, go to the center and tell them your story. I, I imagine, and Nick, is that a fair statement? You like to hear these stories of people that have had, you know, um, any kind of contact with Padre Peel? You still looking for those? Oh my goodness, yes. And it never gets old. It, re it really doesn't. And it's one of the great things about Padre Pio, he, being as he died in 1968, there's still so many people alive who who knew him, had experiences with him. Um, so yeah, we love to hear those stories. You, you, you can contact us again, PadrePio.org. Give us a call, 610-845-3000. Tell us those stories. We love them. And more than anything, we want the prayer intentions because we will pray. We will put those prayer intentions on Padre Pio's glove. And Padre Pio is answering prayers and still making miracles all the time. Thanks again, Nick. I want to just leave it with the Padre Pio, his love for Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady said at Fatima that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Wow, did Padre Peel implement the Fatima plan? He certainly did. I would ask you, our listener, this is a Friday, some type of sacrifice. We're obligated to do that. Make expiation, make reparation for the sins of mankind and for your own sins today by offering some sacrifice for the salvation of souls. And if Jesse was here, Nick, I'd ask Jess this question. What state should we be living in? And Jess Romero would say, the state of grace, Terry. Don't leave it for a second. Amen. And uh, how do we do that? By staying close to the sacraments. What would Padre Pio say? Go to confession. It's the Mass. Yes. And it's still saying that today because you know what? These are eternal truths of our faith. Thanks again, Nick, for joining us. May God richly bless you and your family. Jesse will be back on Monday. Got another great set of programs for you next week. Thanks for supporting us here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you and your family. Full Sheen ahead here. God love you.